Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. This evening, I am joined by Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. What you doing? Happy Sunday. <laughs> How you doing this week? How was your I'm week? peachy keen. What are you up to? Oh, nothing much. Just, you know, doing this a little bit of that, getting ready for a soccer tournament. So, you know, just getting myself all pumped up. <laughs> Did you say you were vacuuming for a soccer tournament? You know, getting ready for a soccer tournament. I don't know where you heard that. Oh, I don't know either. I like the idea of you <laughs> vacuuming for a soccer tournament, though. <laughs> I think that's kind of fun. No, no, no. I have, um, I'll be going to Toronto next weekend, um, and as we were speaking about a little earlier, uh, you're going to be co-hosting with our, our friend Scott Kramer. Uh, he's going to sit in for me. <laughs> so, um, you know, it'll, it'll be fun for next week, but I'm going up there to play soccer like I did last year, and it. And, uh, you know, it's a good uh, change of scenery, kind of, to get away from everything. Who, who, who am I going to be? Who, who, who am I going to be? Stop saying who. Who? <laughs> makes Scott feel like crap. That's <laughs> not going to make him feel like crap. Are you kidding? Right? Scott's, a, Scott's a strong individual. Strong Pat Bennett fan. <laughs> That's, oh, he's a huge Pat Bennett Hart fan. Are you kidding? I know. Oh, my I think goodness. Walk. So, so how you been? I've been good. How you been? I'd be good. I'd be good. Um, what 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 is happening? What what's been going on? Well, on Thursday on what was it Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday after work, I received a phone call from my sister in law, Mark's sister, and she said Larry has had a heart attack. Her husband. Oh wow! And so he got rushed to the hospital, and they had to do emergency open heart surgery, and um, he had a double bypass. So that all happened Thursday and Friday. He's been in the hospital. And they just moved him to a private room this morning, and we went and saw him today, and he's looking great. He is um, he's, he's alert. He's talking. He's actually they've got him up and walking. It, it's, it's amazing what, what they can do with, you know, modern medicine these days. And he's got an awesome scar, which, by the way, he says he wants okay. to have a, a tattoo of a zipper. <laughs> Put on there. Uh, he's well, that's not he's doing well. Yeah, he's doing great. So, so it, it's all good, and um, it's 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 exciting to have him, you know, alert and and with us. So, so that's nice. Okay. So, who the heck do we have on the show tonight? Oh, tonight we have the fabulous uh, Maria Mejia. I just love saying her name. I could just like it just rolls off my tongue. Maria Mejia. Woo! <laughs> Maria. No, uh, yeah, Maria. I'll, she'll be on the, in, in a couple minutes. Um, she's a fabulous lady um, who really has put a face to um, HIV and has really started using her voice tremendously with these amazing videos that she's been posting on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Pazim. You know, wherever they are, you've seen them, and she's just she's doing an amazing job. Just you know, sharing information that people need to know. A lot of people assume that HIV. You know, and she's going to talk about this, and I'm sure she'll touch on it, how people view HIV as a gay disease or a homosexual disease. And, like, she's here to let people know that, you know, it's not somebody who, you know, a woman can get HIV. It's not just gay men. It's not just, you know, drug users or prostitutes. And she's going to, you know, when she comes on, I want her to share her own story so we can get into what exactly um, makes it all tick. But she uh, really has an interesting story, and she really comes from a place where if you look at her, you don't think she's HIV. She's a very attractive Colombian woman, and you would never think that this person would have HIV. And that's one of the questions she poses in her video. Like, if you look at me, I don't look like it. And people, that's the thing. HIV doesn't have a look in, in 2011 like it did in, in the 80s, 90s. It doesn't? Not, not, not the same look, no. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. 
And so every time I look in the mirror, I see it. But who well, am I? Yeah. Who am I? <laughs> so, who am um, I? I, I, to, I just real quick want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. Um, I see we have a crowd in the chat room. So thank everybody for joining us both on the Pause AM chat and the Blog Talk Radio chat. We have them both open tonight. And remember, we'll be taking your questions um, for Maria Mejia all throughout the show. You can post them in the chat room. You can call us here at the show, or you can tweet them to us at POZIAM, P-O-Z-I-A-M. And I just opened a new Twitter account for myself, so I'm really excited. Um, okay. I've been, yeah, I've been – shut up. I've been tweeting like crazy. Uh, positive Pitch, at Positive Pitch. Um, it's the name of my blog, and I – that is kind of going to be me unfiltered. Basically, uh, POSIM is used for the social network and the radio show and, and things of that nature. And this is a little bit more me and my personal things, my personal views, and things I didn't want to get intertwined with the the radio show and all that. You know what I mean? Gotcha. I kind of want to have my own space. Does that make yep. sense? Yep. <laughs> yep, I'm with you. I, so I still can't get into the fit. chat room. I'm, I'm having real technical difficulties today. That's okay. We can oh, that. Jeremy says hello to everyone in the chat room. <laughs> That's right. I do. I hello everybody in the chat room. But um yeah. I'm having issues. <laughs> God. Okay, we how have how issues, sad right? for me. Yeah. I know. Be sad <laughs> for me. Would you everybody be sad for me? So I, I'm flying blind for for right at this point in time. Anyway. So what else? Um let's see. Yeah, so positive pitch, huh? Yeah, yeah. So follow yeah, me. Follow me, bitches. I no. will. I will. I will follow you. I will follow him. Well, first, I've been tweeting you all day. I've been tweeting like crazy because, like, like I, I tweet about soccer stuff. So, like, yesterday the Philadelphia Union soccer team had a game, and then last night USA had a game. So I was like kind of tweeting in between the games and stuff like that. So it's just I'm more active on that one. Um, uh huh. In, in you know, in regards, so that's definitely where you want to go and find all the good stuff about me. And fun stuff. And Jeremy, okay. you're at positively speaking, right? But uh, speaking has no vowels for those who are looking. In Twitter, yes. Or you can just type in Jeremy Dunn, and I believe it'll come up in your search. Too. I think so too. Something like that pops up. Yeah. Right. Yep. Or you can just go to the Pause I Am, and um, in the description of Pause I Am, it says follow our host, and it has me, you, and Jack's um, Twitter names there, so they can follow it there as well. Really hey, speaking of Jack, yeah. did you see his new pictures on his wall on, on, on Facebook? Oh, of course I did. It started all the rage. I, I showed it to Joe this morning. I said, check out this. Don't get any more pride than that. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. I know. My goodness. I swear he's airbrushed. He really doesn't look like <laughs> that in person. I'm telling you, he doesn't. He really doesn't. They take his head off of – they take his head and slap it onto somebody else's body. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's true. pretty uh, ripped. No, he's not. He's actually no. 350 pounds. <laughs> I remember seeing him in person. Oh, yeah. Gigantic. <laughs> I love oh, him man, when he's not here. That picture is funny. Um, it is, But it's great how he has the underwear, like, all rainbow-colored around him. I know. It's very interesting. And, you know, if I had a body like that, I guess I would maybe do photos like that. Or somebody would ask me to do photos like that. Oh, please. So, what are you going to do? You know what? I have a six-pack, just like he does. Only mine's in the cooler. Mm. Well, hey. You know. Oh, you weren't drinking anymore. No. Six-pack. Abs. Dork. Uh, uh, yours is in the cooler? Okay. Yes. Get it in the cooler. Yeah, <laughs> Now he got so, it. There it I is. Got it. A little slow, a little slow. A little slow. Um, Thank God you're pretty. Right. Counts for something. Shit. No. Um, <laughs> so what, um, <laughs> for those who are, are first, uh, first timers joining us, Virgins to Pause I Am Radio, um, what we do here is we kind of uh, laugh and have a good time, and we also share, um, have People come on and share their personal stories about living with HIV and AIDS, and we allow you know those people to have a voice. A lot of people in the community feel that there isn't a place where they can share openly about what they want or feel that they're in a safe environment or surrounded by safe people, and that's kind of the space that we provide um, for the people who come on here. So that's what you'll hear. You know, today actually is our 175th show. Is it really? 175 shows. I can't believe it. Wow. That makes me feel old. Right? 
we're going on year number three. I'm really excited. Wow. I mean, I remember when it all started. It was like, oh, well, we'll see how it works. <laughs> remember in the beginning? <laughs> Has it been from three years? Has it, it's been three years. My goodness. Three years. When did we start? We started um, three years ago in in an August, wasn't it? August, September time frame? I, say like, I think it was like August, yeah. Oh, my goodness. All wow. right, well, it looks like we have our guest. So let me just tell you real quickly a little bit about our guest. Maria Mejia is a 37-year-old Colombian female who lives in Miami, Florida. She has been HIV positive for 20 years. Although almost all of her life she has been in long-term relationships with HIV-negative men, she is now happily married to a woman who is wonderful and caring. They have been together for almost three years, and her partner is HIV negative. She is an activist, a peer educator, and caregiver. She has volunteered at tons of community and outreach sessions, and now she's going to bring her beautiful, beautiful self and her fabulous story to Pause I Am Radio. Please help me welcome Maria Mejia. Hello, Maria. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We haven't had you yet. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The night is young, though. The night is very young. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) So, so Maria. Yes. Hi. How are you? How are you? I'm 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 doing very good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. So how's Miami these days? Very hot and actually beautiful. I love yeah, hot, Miami. Hot, beautiful, and sticky and wet. Actually, I'm going to a completely different train of thought, so I'll bring it back. Hold on. All right. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> so, so, Maria, let's just jump right in. Okay. Jump, I, um, I've read a lot of your, a lot of your stuff. Um, I follow you on Facebook, and I think we've been chatting a few times. Um, right. Tell me or tell our listeners about how this how how did you become HIV positive? Okay, well, um, I had a very um, troubled childhood. I was molested at the age of three by a family member, and I also grew up in a very abusive household with a father that was very abusive mentally and verbally. So around the age of thirteen, I ran away from home. And I joined the gang, and I became the girlfriend of the leader of the gang, who was the person that eventually infected me. He didn't know, but and I didn't know either that he was, you know, experimenting with IV drug use. And um, a couple of years passed, and um, I returned home, and I decided to straighten up my life. By that time, my father was no, no longer at home. It was just my mother and my little brother. And I decided to join um, a place called Job Corp, which is a place, you know, that young people go to, like, vocational school. And um, I left Miami to go to Job Corp in Kentucky. So when I entered Job Corp, they tested all the young people that, you know, that entered Job Corp. So they did all the testing. And I remember that even though that I didn't really know anyone that was HIV positive, I had a little bit of knowledge you know, about it, so they did did the pre, you know, counseling before they did the test on all of us, and I answered, you know, a few of the questions and everything, not thinking I could ever have it because as it was seen back then, especially me being so young, I was just turning 18, um, in my mind it was a homosexual disease or a disease for prostitutes or or for drug users. It was just um, something that I just never expected you know, for it to happen to me. So um, I got homesick, like, around maybe two, three weeks of me being in Job Corp in Kentucky, and I wanted to go come return back to Miami to be with my mom. So I kept on noticing that they were sending me, like, little slips from the clinic. But as a young person, as a teenager, I really didn't pay attention, you know, and I would just rip them up. So, you know, basically... For me to come back to visit my mother, I had to be discharged from the clinic that was in Job Corps. So I remember I went in the clinic, and there was an Asian doctor. He kind of was upset at me and asked me, you know, why haven't I come in the clinic if they were sending me slips? And I just responded, I don't know. But by this time, I knew something serious was going on because I saw his face. 
He answered me into his office. He did not prepare me. Um, at this moment, the thought that was going through my mind since I smoked cigarettes, I said, maybe I have lung cancer or something. And he just dirted out very, in a very, like, aggressive way. You have AIDS. And I remember that I was in complete shock. I didn't cry. I didn't get angry. I just saw my whole life pass in front of me. I just thought to myself, I'm going to die because that's what you heard. People were, you know, dropping like flies. And I just said to the doctor, I want to go home, you know, back to Miami and die. He told me that there was another kid that had HIV in job court and I could stay there if I wanted to, but I said no. And um, basically, you know, I called my mom from Kentucky and I told her, you know, the situation that I had AIDS and she, over the phone, she didn't cry either. She's a very strong woman. She's always been very supportive. She just told me to come back home and, and not to worry and that we would talk when, when I got home. So I returned to Miami and, um, you know, preparing to die and very down and sad and just thinking my life was over, especially at such a young age. You know, you don't process. I mean, it's hard at any age, but when you're so young, it, I mean, it, it was just horrible. And everything Were that you would hear. Were you I'm sorry? Were you 18 at that time? I, w- I just turned 18 when I found out. Okay. I found out, my birthday's April 11th, and I found out, like, around April 18th. So I was just turning, I had just turned 18. But I believe I got infected around the age of 16. Wow. Yeah. Now, you said you were um, involved with the guy from from the gang. What was that like from, what was that like being, like, in the gang? Because you said you were a part of the gang. Was it as what they make in the shows on TV, or is it really a little bit more? I mean, it was, well, since I was, um, you know, the the girlfriend of the leader, I basically, um, I mean, I was, they, the, men, the boys, I guess, because they were not even men, were more into the heavy-duty stuff, like, you know, the bad stuff, like, you know, robbing and, you know, all the bad Right, right. So, you know, he pretty much protected me. He knew um, the background that I had, you know, but it's like with me it was very ironic because, like, all the men that were supposed to be the people that protect me in my life, to say my family member, which, you know, was an uncle. I'm not going to mention his name. And uh, I never have confronted him, but I, I have forgiven him. You know, I don't accept what he did to me, but it's something that I had to do for myself. My father, which is a person that was also supposed to protect me, was someone that, since I was a little girl, also was very hard on me. You know, I also have forgiven him. And basically the person that infected me, even though he didn't know he was positive, but, you know, that has an effect on, on, a, on, a, on a girl's mind, you know, on a woman, you know. So I have been processing and dealing with the situations, you know, the cycles of, of everything, you know, not only being HIV positive, but all the traumas and all the baggage that I've had since I was a little girl because I have memory of everything. Wow. So, yeah. you know, so there, there, there's a lot going on here. So you, I know. Got, it's a, I have a very complex story. I mean, seriously, yeah, I've only touched like 10% in anything that you have seen of my life. It's like yeah. so many chapters. Well, you know, and, and, that's, and that's what's amazing is, I mean, you've gone through a lot you know, a lot, you, a lot. You, you've gone through being sexually abused, um, yes. living and loving in a gang, Correct. HIV. Right. Wow. So, so let's kind of spring forward just a little bit. Okay. When you found out you were HIV positive, right, and um, you decided that you were going to go back home. Correct. Pick. Let's. Let's pick up there. You, you, did you ever get back to Columbia or? Yes, yes. When I returned back, um, back home with my mom and my little brother, my mom, that like I said, has been my rock. She t- told me, you know, she's a very um, a person that has a lot of faith. She told me, I know in my heart you're not going to die from this. We're going to put this in God's hands. You know, she's very spiritual, and so am I. 
And um, she said to me, but you must not tell this to anyone in the family or friends. And I know that she was it was coming from a good place. She was trying to protect me because there was so much stigma, you know, back then. It was like around 1991. And um, we decided to return back to Colombia because of a situation that my mother had here that I'm not going to get into, but here in the United States, which was like another chapter of my life. So we had to go back to Colombia which was a very good thing for me actually. Um she had a she put a health food health food store there in a vegetarian restaurant. So as time passed I saw I was not dying, you know how I thought. And um also I remember around that time is around the time that Magic Johnson came out. So it for it, I visually saw someone that I said, Oh my god, someone that's famous that that has what I have, you know. And like that I'm not gonna say gay but I felt like I was not the only person in the even though I knew there were people that, you know, were dying from, you know, from AIDS. Mm-hmm. So I returned back to Colombia. Um, but before I returned to Colombia, I remember that they referred me from Kentucky to a clinic in Miami where a doctor saw me and wanted to put me on AZT. And he wanted me to sign a waiver because um, what the paper said, it could damage my internal organs. So at that time and at that age, I made the decision not to get on AZT. It was personal. I mean, I don't recommend this to anyone, but I made that personal decision back then. And I said, no way. I want my internal organs damaged. I mean, I feel healthy. So back in Colombia, as I said, I became even more spiritual. Um, I ate, I lived a very healthy lifestyle. Um I went to live with my grandparents, my mother, and my brother. So I took care of them all the way to the moment that they died. So I became a very compassionate person after I found out about my diagnosis. I was very troubled, but something changed in me. I mean, it was a horrible thing, but at the same time, it was a po- something positive that happened in my life because I learned to love myself more, to take care of myself, to eat healthy. I would, you know, take a lot of the things that my mom would sell in her health food store, which I believe that helped me a lot, you know, and during the 10 years, because I was on 10 years with no medications at all. But I was still being monitored by a family member that's a doctor, an uncle, and um, he would monitor my, you know, like my T-cell count because the viral load all the way back then didn't even exist, especially in Colombia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as time progressed, um, my my um, immune system, you know, went down to a dangerous level of 39 T-cells. And um, that's when I decided that I had to return back to the US, United States because over here, you know, there is better treatment. So I had to leave my mom mm-hmm. and come back, come back over here. And so when I came been, back over yeah. here, I'm sorry? I said, how long have you been back? Okay, it's been 10 years. Okay. So after 10 years, I returned back. Um, I was seen by a specialist here, a doctor. He um, basically told me, you know, the same thing. My T-cells were very low, and he told me that I had to get on medication, that basically he gave me a month to live that if I did not take my medication, I was going to die. And to tell you the truth, I felt like a candle that was burning out. I felt I was getting... I've never been hospitalized or sick with, like, a really, like, pneumonia or anything like that, but I did get some things. Like, I had... At that time, I got cervical cancer. And I also had a thing called thrombocytopenia, which is a very dangerous low platelet level. So I could bleed, like spontaneously, hemorrhages or whatever. So I said to myself that I had to start medication, that it was time. Something in me said, you know what, it's time. I've 10 years without no medication. I've, I've tried to keep myself healthy. I've done everything I could, but my body needs help, and it needs medication. So that's when the doctor said to me, you know, I could take you to the well, but I cannot make you drink, you know, out of it. And he said, it's your choice, and I said, okay, I'm going to start, and he put me on Trizivir, and um, I was on Trizivir for 10 years, and I recently changed um, the regimen from my personal choice also to something else because of the AZT in it. 
Right, I see. Now, um, when I just want to go just a little bit back to when you were diagnosed and at that time. I know we kind of jumped past that, but I just want to ask you, were right. you educated? Because you're about the same age between, you know, around between me and Jeremy. We're all around the same age sort of in that bracket. I think you kind of fall in between us maybe. Um, but were you educated, like, when you were in school or, like, on the streets? Did you learn about HIV? Did you know about AIDS before, like, you got involved with the gangs? Or was it kind of like when you realized everything, it was too late? Mm, well, like, before I before I found out that I was positive, I had a little bit of knowledge with, like, sex, like sex ed, the class respect that they were giving us here in school and what you were here around and stuff like that. But I became much more educated afterwards. Even though there was not, you know, there was no Internet or all the information that's out right now, I made it a point to research and to, like, read books of medicine. Like, I would go to the library and, and, and get books, and I would actually put myself to sleep. I, was, I would read three, four hours every day books of medicine. I mean, I got, like, really OCD on that. And also I had, you know, I studied, you know, you know, natural medicine because of my mom's health food, health food store, so, you know, that also helped me a lot. But I became pretty pretty well-educated in HIV AIDS after the fact. As wow. information came out, I was, you know, knowledgeable. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So what are you doing these days? And um, so we're kind of mm-hmm. jumping a little bit forward here. Um, what are you doing now? Okay, well, we want to go a little bit, a little bit. Let's say a few years back when mm-hmm. I started my activism. Yep. When I returned over here, um, I started going to these classes, you know, of HIV/AIDS, like um, HIV training and all that stuff, in the University of Miami. And um, one of the supervisors there, the educational programs, saw that I had something, you know, that I you know, I could express myself well and I, I could reach people. You know, a lot of people would come to me and they asked me if I wanted to be a peer educator. I was fine with that because I didn't feel, I mean, I still had what my mom told me, not, you know, to tell people, not to disclose, to say I had a different illness, you know, lupus. I even got away with saying leukemia. Some family members still think that I had leukemia. I don't know how I got away with that, but you know, I started coming out, as I say, out of the HIV closet slowly. It was not something that came out, you know, at once. It was, it's a cycle. It's a process. And um, I started doing peer education. I started, you know, being trained by the health department and, you know, going to schools because I try to reach a lot of young people or just people in general, men, women, gay, straight, doesn't matter, and telling them my story and just, you know, giving educational classes, and but in small settings. I was not, you know, ready to come out completely like I am right now. So as the years passed, um, another thing happened in my life, which was, um, as you mentioned, I always dated, you know, what was considered to be, I guess, in the ultra-conservative Catholic Hispanic family dating men. Um, I I didn't want to deal with my own, um, I guess, sexual preference, which, you know, was women. And um, as I mentioned in one of my vlogs, I didn't want to give my mom more problems. Like, you know, I've been through this. I've been through that. You know, I'm HIV. Now I'm going to say I'm a lesbian, too. So she's over there. I was over here. And I said, you know what? She won't find out. I mean, I'm going to live my life. And I came out maybe eight years ago. And... um, that was a change, a big change in my life where I felt a, a sense of feeling complete, you know, coming out, you know, it, it relieved me in, in that aspect because I was pretty much, you know, like living a life, you know, trying to, I guess, please others or whatever, you know. So around, it, it was, I sat, it's been actually four years that I've been with Lisa, which is my partner, my wife. And um, she's HIV negative, and um, I also had to go through the process of disclosure with her, which gives at least me a lot of anxiety to disclose and stuff like that. But to me, it's something that I always tell everyone that's positive. It's very important that you disclose and you give the person a chance to choose if they want to deal, deal with the situation because it's hard. Or if they are also given the choice that we could be friends. So I gave her a choice. I told her straight up, you know, my situation. I have always been like that with everyone that I have been with all my life. You know, I've mostly been in long, long-term relationships. 
and I've always disclosed. So, you know, basically I told Lisa what was going on, and she said, it doesn't matter. I love you for who you are. And I told her, I said, do you want me to teach you or educate you about anything? She says, no, I'm pretty educated. If I have any questions, I'll ask you. And that was four years ago. And um, I've been very happy and very blessed, you know, to have her in my life. And a very serious event happened in 2010, which made me actually come out the way you're seeing it now, you know, on YouTube, on Facebook, on every of the blogs, and, and the, you know, worldlandmanthebody.com. Her sister passed away from a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. So I went through that process with Lisa, which was very hard. So I sat you know, sometimes I would sit there in hospice, you know, pray for her and stuff like that for her sister. And I said to myself, why could people say they have cancer or any other chronic illness? And I still have to lie. Like I'm a delinquent or I'm, I'm a fugitive or, or you know, like, why do I have to live in this hiding? You know, I felt like I was still in restrained. So I said to myself, you know what? And I told Lisa, I said... I have to share this with you because when I come out, that's like she's going to be out too, you know, that she's living with, you know, she's with someone that's HIV positive because she's affected by it. So I said, you know, I'm feeling this way. I am tired. I'm tired of hiding. I do not care who discriminates me. I am ready to, to do something about this, and I want to, I want to people, for people to hear my story, and I want to save lives. If a young person could learn from me, from my story, or from what I've been through, or anyone in the world, I'm going to, you know, that's what's going to make me complete and happy. And in the year 2011, that's when I came out of the HIV closet completely. So now I'm you know like a butterfly. Just real quick, Maria, I just want to, um, so I think that's great because, you know, I know for me, when I, before I went public and did, got involved with um, the Does HIV Look Like Me campaign, I went to my partner I remember, like, asking him, you know, do you care that I go public about this because I don't want it to bother you? You know, because kind of what he does is somewhat of a public figure. So um, a lot of people will see him and see me connected with him, and I don't want them to think that he's positive because he's negative as well. So I totally understand that. I think a lot of us activists um, kind of go through that same step, like, you know, we ask our partners what do they feel about it unless we're meeting them after we're already out of the closet. Um, I think it's great how you did that. A question coming from the chat room I have from Janine. How long were you and um, your partner, Lisa, together before you told her about your status? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? How long were you and Lisa dating before you told her you disclosed? Okay, well, we met through, actually through, it's funny, through MySpace. We were actually friends. Um, We became, you know, we met. I was with someone else, with another person, and, we, you know, we were good friends and stuff like that, but... Actually, us talking, let's say, in an emotional and deep level, it was through the Internet that I that disclosed, and we had known each other maybe for, um, I would say, maybe one or two years. But, like, talking, talking as, you know, in a, in a sentimental way or in an emotional way, where I felt like I was feeling, you know, deep emotions and feelings for her, like around a month. I couldn't take it anymore. It was just something that was just, I I was going to explode it if I didn't tell her. And it was not fair for her, and it was not fair for me to, you know, because I would, you know, I feel people a lot. I felt her out, you know, on certain things. Sometimes I would bring up, you know, you know, the HIV AIDS, what do you feel about this or that. You know, I I tend to do that before I disclose and um, see what feedback that they give me. And um, and I just I, I disclosed through the internet. It was not even in person. I don't know if I did it that way because it's easier, I guess. If you get rejected in person, it would be much harder. Right. But okay. yeah, I mean, true that. Um, I beat around the bush. Last minute, so I was like, I have something really, really important to tell you. Yeah, but girls like, are like, oh my they god, get all squishy. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, they do. I said girls get all squishy about that kind of thing. So, hey, I just want to remind everybody, it is 9.30, it's the bottom of the hour, and uh, we are talking with Maria, and we are, and Maria is sharing her life story here, and her story regarding about HIV and AIDS. So let's continue, Maria. I, I had to do that, yeah. you know, that radio thing. 
Uh, Maria, what is your website so we can get that out? Is it mariatmahia.com? Yes, it's the website that actually is, I'm going to start, it's like under construction. It's mariatmahia.com. Okay, so we can put that in there. I do have a, a couple uh, tweets coming in. Um, one is from, uh, uh, I'm going to assume that this is from your beautiful partner, Lisa. Uh, she said she's <laughs> stopping by to say how proud she is of you and that she, you're doing a wonderful job educating people and that she loves you. Aw, um, I love you, Lisa. <laughs> I, have so lo- I have another tweet coming in from a gentleman by the name of Tyler, and he wants to know, uh, were you always, did you grow up knowing that you were a lesbian or was it something that changed over the years due to the abuse that was fixed? that happened. Right. I've been asked that question before. Um, due to the molestation, I guess, a child goes through confusion because you really, I guess, you know, there there is a confusion there. And there was a thing, you know, that I had, like I said, with the male role models that I had that I always have been pretty much negative, you know, almost all of them. You know, that was an issue when I was younger. But as time passed and as, as I started the process of healing, you know, there were tendencies there and attractions there, but I always, basically the last thing that I wanted to do, as I said, which played a big role, was I didn't want to hurt my mother anymore, and I just didn't, I just wanted to at least say, you know, I'm doing something right in life. I wanted to supposedly live the correct way and, you know, I guess, you know, the normal way of life. But, yeah, you know, I always had the tendencies and everything, but I was, I guess, in that denial, and I was dealing with, with me being HIV, and like I said, the other baggage, so much things that I had was healing, you know, I was healing and, and process and cycles that I went through, you know, being HIV positive, because it's, you go through a lot of cycles, a lot. But I always I always had the tendencies, yes. Did I accept them? No. I recently, you know, came to the terms that this is me, this is who I am, and, and that's it. Wow. There's um. You see that question in the chat room, Jeremy? I, I did from from Adrian, um, Maria. There's there's a question in the chat room here, and it's actually advice. Um, okay. And he says, Adrian says, what advice would you give to someone like me, meaning Adrian? I've been positive for 14 years, and I have yet to tell my family. As I take my position as vice president of programs for my AIDS, this is my last hurdle I have overcome. I have to overcome. So what what advice would you give him? Oh, my God, that's such a delicate subject. And um, actually one of my vlogs was about that, how the stigma and sometimes the discrimination came from our own families. It all depends how your family is. The best advice that I could give is, like, as far as myself, there's still some people in my family that I cannot, I will probably never tell unless they probably find out through the Internet or whatever that I'm positive because they're, they're very judgmental or whatever, but what my advice is you have to, I guess, feel feel the person out, give them, you know, touch on the subject. If they're already involved in activism with HIV AIDS, talk about that, talk about, you know, the stigma that's out there, show them, give them information, show them videos, you know, disclose to the people that you feel the closest to. Um, if they love you and they care for you and they care for you and they have the education and the knowledge because most of the time discrimination comes from fear, you know, and ignorance about the subject. When you make it, you know, when you talk about it, when you educate them and you educate them first, it will be easier to disclose. And maybe not to the whole family at once, but, you know, you start feeling out, you know, who is the person that I want to disclose to, you know, that's the most important right now and, so on and so on, and there's some people in reality, as far as me, that I can never disclose to because I already know how they're going to react. Because I've already, I already know how they are, even about the even smaller things, you know, like let's say my lifestyle. They already talk about, you know, because they're very Catholic and very conservative, and they, you know, you hear their comments. So I know that those are people that are old, very old, and very close-minded. And um, I will never just probably disclose to them. If they ever find out and discriminate me, well, that's up to them. Right, right. Um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on to Adrian, just to give a little bit of response from uh, my point of view, is uh, when you're going to disclose to your family, um, we always say here on the show, come from a place with confidence. 
Um, be secure. Right. Make sure yourself is educated. Um, and don't go to them in tears crying and falling out um, because if you cry and if you show that you don't have the strength to deal with it, they're right. going, you know, they obviously aren't going to be able to deal with it either because you can't. So you have to go there with, you know, a mind that these are people who love you and more exactly more likely the people who love us surprise us. You know, and well, you know what usually happens to me? The other person is the one that breaks down and starts crying, and I have to comfort them. And I have to say, no, 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 but hold on, I'm okay. I have lived this long. There's medication out there. There's, you know, even though this, it's, there's another problem that I'm dealing with, and is the people that people are minimizing the illness. You know, that's that's another subject. You know, they think you take one pill and you live, you know, happy in a long, you know, a long life. True enough, you live a long life, but as I say. It's not a death sentence anymore, but it is a life sentence. You get no breaks. You have to, you know, the medications, especially long-term, you know, survivors that have been on medication for a long time, they will tell you, you know, the effects of medication are are not easy. You know, at the beginning it's easy. And I know there's new medications out there with less side effects and everything, but it's just not an easy process. But um, going back to what you were saying, I usually am the one that has to comfort them because they start breaking down and crying. And I'm like, no, no, no. The only one that has never cried was my mom. And if she did, she never did it in front of me, not to hurt me, I guess. Yeah, so, and, and I just want to chime in as well because, I mean, we've all had to do this, right? Um, right. What I think what we often ta- often tend to also forget is that Disclosure not only affects the person who's HIV positive, but we also have to yeah. take into account um, how the other person is going to react. And, um, you know, no matter how many times we rehearse or we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, I'm, I'm HIV positive, blah, 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 um, this is the first time that they're going to hear that, hear that, hear this yeah. news. And so, um, Oftentimes we do have to take the uh, take the take the role of the comforter and and the caretaker at that point because we've had some time to deal with it and adjust. So we have to allow those other you know the recip the the receiving party to um, to listen and 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 they have to be allowed their time. So um, correct. You know, it's it's absolutely it's a, one of those give and take things. But uh, you know, so Adrian, um, just you know, knowing that they're your family, um, it, it, as hard as it will be to 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 tell them, um, they're your family, and hopefully, hopefully, when you sit them down and, and do it in person. Um, take them, you know, take them out somewhere that's neutral or something where, you know, that that's calming and, and good to everyone. And uh, and uh, and tell them matter of factly and plainly, you know, and just be be the um, stick to the facts. So, you know, one of um, the, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I was just going to uh, remind everybody it is we have 15 minutes left of the show. So um, we're going to go ahead and open those phone lines. Uh, the phone to call us in is at 347-215-9442. I mean, so give us a call at 347-215-9442. And uh, if you have a question for um, Maria or you have a question for Robert or myself, uh, again, give us a call. Again, it's uh, we've got about 15 minutes left of the show, so give us a call. And uh, so, Robert, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, uh, Adrian mentions, uh, I just lost it, uh, in the chat room, he goes, it's not so much of him crying, um, it's more he's concerned about getting punched by his mother, um, and I'm, I don't mean to laugh at it in that way, um, but he says, but seriously, it's more about religious beliefs than anything. So um, when it comes to that, I, you know, I myself, you know, and, and Maria just talked about growing up in a very religious family, and for me, um, I took it as it was th- like this was my journey. My journey was to teach my family, and maybe you know that was what that was all about, and why I, I why everything happened in my life was for me to teach my family that they need that unconditional love. And sometimes people need to think outside of their religion. And for me, I think my diagnosis made a lot of people in my family think outside of their religion and accept me for who I was. So hopefully that'll help out. 
So, yeah, give us right. a call here. Uh, Maria, you did a fabulous blog, a video blog um, on your website. People can go to mariatmahia.com um, or and also a girl like me as well, right? And yes, handlebody.com. Now, you started blogging for the body, and you do all these great videos, um, and you just did this one on uh, discrimination and stigma. And I, I love one of the points that you made in the beginning of the video, how you said that self-stigma is a killer. And a lot of people don't realize that by us hiding in the closet, the HIV closet, or, or not coming out on a public level and, and keeping it just to us, um, we're kind of stigmatizing ourselves. So I want you to just touch right, a little right. bit on that. Well, um, yes, self-stigma is a killer, and um, it has a lot to do with guilt, with shame, with the things that we have also seen, the discrimination out there. I mean, like I said, I don't. sometimes I don't blame them because their own families even discriminate them, but you, ha- you have to come to terms with it. It's not easy. I mean, not everyone was born to be an activist like we are, and um, I respect everyone's views. It, it, everyone comes out when the time is right for them. But believe me, and I'm speaking from my own experience, when you are when you feel free and you and you don't stigmatize yourself anymore and you're not in hiding and not feeling like you're I said like you're a fugitive or delinquent in hiding, you feel free. As I said, I feel free like a butterfly. When you when you stigmatize yourself, you are under constant stress of oh my God, who's gonna find out? You know when you and we all know when we have stress, our T cells go down, and and it's it's a horrible thing because we already have stigma and hate out there from so many people that are ignorant, and we're putting ourselves through that. But but then again, I also understand that there's people that that are not prepared right now to come out, but it's people like us who are going to help them come out. That's why our jobs are so important. Because by us showing our faces and and them, you know, seeing the strength that you know that we have and um, making it, you know, they observe us as their example and they have come out, you know, slowly but surely. Some people that I know that were that wouldn't even put, you know, a, a, let's say on Facebook a picture of themselves, you know, they were in complete hiding and now they're, you know, they're open because they have found a support system and you know and and that is very important for your well-being, for your spirit, for your mind, for your body, and for everything. No, I think that is, is great. Actually, I have um, a couple more tweets sent to me here. Um, again, you can send your tweets at Um Rise Up to HIV says, Maria, you are such an inspiration and an amazing person. Your story is very empowering for all those living with HIV. You go, girl. And I'm going to insert two snaps in a circle. Um, <laughs> Thank <so that> you. <laughs> And um, then, where's the other, where the heck did it go? Okay, and the other question here was, how do you, where did it go? Well, I don't know, but as you're looking for it, I'm going to ask this question. Um, How has, uh, and and something that has been kind of poking at me in the head is, um, how has being HIV positive and in the lesbian community, um, impacted your life? Because I know that there are many lesbians out there who, who don't think um, HIV can affect them. And uh, and you being, you know, uh, you know, of the lesbian persuasion, um, <laughs> you know, and being HIV positive, how has that, what have you seen in in the lesbian community? As far as acceptance or, or how 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 do you think that has been viewed? Hello. Maria. I think somehow we oh we must have uh, hello Maria are you there? Yes, I'm sorry I got disconnected. I just got connected no, did, did again. Did you hear that question? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. <sighs> and it was such a good question too. And now oh, the time I'm so has sorry. passed. <laughs> Oh goodness! I'm like, um, hello, hello, hello. Um, <laughs> so, um, the, the question is: is how have you viewed um, as a lesbian um, from a lesbian from the lesbian community um, being HIV positive, and 
and and being and how is it viewed in the lesbian community? Well, as I mentioned, I just came out completely, um, let's say recently, you know, in mm-hmm. 2011, and uh, my my circle, my friends, and the people that I've spoken with, um, actually say the same thing that a lot of people tell me that you know that that you know thank you so much for spreading the word for, you know, that I'm, you know, that I inspire them. It has nothing but positive feedback. I have been very blessed in that aspect, nothing negative. I have not felt rejected, nothing. Everything is just positive from family members, from the straight community, from the gay community, from, you know, everybody. It's just been, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. It's just, I'm I'm very blessed in that aspect. They have embraced me, and they don't care, you know, that my Facebook name, Maria HIV. Actually, the self-stigma that I was talking about, I've only been maybe discriminated in, a, in one aspect, and it was from a positive person that told me they had to remove me from Facebook because my name is Maria HIV there, and the other positive people on her page were uncomfortable with my name because they felt that they were going to be outed. Mm. So I just told the person, don't worry about it, I removed her, and then she tried to add me again, but I just didn't want to cause her any more stress. But as far as other people, um, the lesbians um, or other people that are negative, they add me with my name and all. They put my videos in their pages because they want to educate, you know, others. And it's it's like a chain, you know what I mean? So I have had nothing but positive feedback. Great. Uh, real Excellent. quick, Marie, I got two more tweets coming at us. Um, one tweet coming in from Johnny in Texas. That's his tweet name. Kind of funny. Um, okay. He wants to know: Is there somebody specific who inspired you to go public, or who inspired you? Basically, is what he's trying to say. Hmm. Well, you know, because there's always that some person, you know. Yes. Um, actually, there's two people that I started seeing on YouTube. Well, there's been many people throughout my life, but yeah. let's say in um, in the media, media-wise, there's two people that I started observing on YouTube, and one of them was Miss Ray um, Lewis, which she is to me one of the biggest inspirations. She's an Emmy Award winner, and she's she was on Oprah, and she's an African American female that has been positive for 28 years and came out of the HIV closet when it was not, when it was even, it was horrible to come out. I mean, you know, she's one of my inspirations. And also um, Justin, Justin (laughs) Justin Smith was another person that I was, you know, watching with my wife on YouTube one night. I I came across his um, vlogs and I'm like, you know, wow, you know, he's, I I love him. And, you know, he inspired me as well. And and so many people, you know, all of you, you know, Dap Gaffner also, you know, just so many people. So, yeah, so many Especially people. Especially when you start getting yeah. involved more. You know, there's so many that you meet and you become really inspired and they kind of just burn the fuel under you. Um, one question that I have, um, which um, may be something that may be a little odd to ask, but how risky is lesbian sex transmission of HIV? Because obviously well, that's something I would not know about. Right, because you know, there's, there's, that's, it's not really touched out there. If you, if you know this, right. there's not a lot of information on lesbians that are positive, and they, they're, they're out there. You know, um, right. one of the things that I educate them about is, you know, they're not sharing toys. You know, that's risky. You know, if a, uh, the female, one of them um, has a sore in their mouth, you know, do not have oral sex. Way of transmission right there. Don't brush your teeth before. I mean, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm speaking too bluntly, you know, about sex, you know, but it's the reality. And um, I mean, there is a risk. There's always a risk. So you know, you have to care about your partner. You have to protect your partner. And these are some of the ways that you know you could avoid that risk. Right. Well, and also you know, getting Maria. tested. I always urge my partner to get tested every six months. She just got tested last week. Well, I think that's awesome, you know, and it's it's great. You know, um, I encourage my partner to get tested. I think he goes uh, every six months. 
Um, and, you know, that's something that he goes on a regular basis just to, you know, to make sure everything's okay because you don't want to fall into Correct. that spot and not know. So I think that's great. You know, I, Maria, for somebody who just really just threw themselves into the HIV community in 2000, you say in the beginning of this year, I mean, you really made a big splash. I mean, you are – so many people <laughs> love you and what you do. Your videos Aww, are amazing. thank you. I want you to start posting more of your videos on Pause AM and the Ladies Lounge because I think it's great. Um, you know, you, Janine, and Brandy, you guys make these videos, uh, and Jen, and, and they're, they're awesome videos. And women need to know that women can get HIV. It's not just gay men. And I think that's one of the, the my favorite things that you say in your video is that, you know, you can. it's not about just looking good and you can take a pill and you live a long life. You know what I mean? Because it's not about what's on the outside, you know? Of course. I mean, that's how people get infected because a lot of, again, lack of education is out there and they figure if you look good, if you smell good, you know, you look healthy, you know, the person is not going to be positive. And the reality is that you could be with the virus for a long time and not get sick. A person, You have to test yourself. You know, even if you feel healthy, you know, love yourself, test yourself, you know, HIV does not have a face. That's one of the other things that I say. And it is not uh, a homosexual disease. Uh, actually, as we know, you know, um, the ones that are at higher risk right now are women, you know, and when it comes to infection. And, um, you know, and it's, and it's the reality, you know, you cannot, you know, go by it a person how of how they look, if they look, you know, good or, as I said, if matter. I've seen from a baby to an 80-year-old woman living with a virus. So it can happen to anyone. We're all sexual beings. If you had unprotected sex one time, you're at risk, and that's the reality. You could be married, and your husband has an affair, cheats on you one time, he could pass it to the wife. I have seen it hundreds of times you know, in the clinic where I did, you know, my HIV training and stuff and education. So anyone could have HIV, and there's people that are infected and there's people that are affected because usually there will be someone that you know or someone in your family. I've had comments of people saying, well, I don't know anyone that's HIV. Well, maybe they're not disclosing, you know, because they're right. hiding or maybe because another thing that I, you know, made comments. And actually this happened yesterday. I was in a, in a workshop stop the hate and um, in the police department and stuff like that. And I was, you know, telling them and telling other people, you have to really watch the comments that you make because I have been in situations like in beauty salons and other places where people have started making comments about people, you know, oh, she looks like she has AIDS or this or that. And I interject immediately and I said, well, you know what, I have HIV. And then I start educating them and then they learn, you know, so... That's something very important. We have to watch our mouth because sometimes we make those comments to your daughter, your son, someone that you know, someone that you love could be with a, living with a virus. Or the same person could have the virus and not know it, you know. So that is very important. Well, it's one, right, what is it, one in five people, um, one out of every five infected people don't know that they have it? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's, that's, I believe that's um, the statistics, yeah. Yeah, it's craziness. Okay, well, it's crazy. we are down to the last 90 seconds, Maria. Are so we really? Quick, I just want to tell people, yeah. Uh, you can uh, contact Maria at her website, Maria T. Mejia. Mejia is M-E-J-I-A dot com, or you can follow Maria on tw- Twitter, Maria HIV 1111. Uh, you can also find her blog, Maria. What is it like, real quick, we have like 30 seconds. What is it like blogging on the body dot com? Are you getting a good response? Yes, it's wonderful, thebody.com, and, and the Well Project, The Girl Like Me, is awesome. Also, you can find me on Facebook, Maria HIV. I have a big support group there, and uh, people infected and affected. And um, also Maria's Journal on YouTube, where my video logs go. are. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Maria. We had a great time. Thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. Oh, this was great. Thanks, Maria. I'll be hooked. I'll be on. Uh checking you out on Facebook a couple of times, too. Oh, thank you very much. And, You're welcome. And you guys have a wonderful, wonderful night. And God bless you all, and good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, Maria. Okay, good and night. And again, MariaTMahia.com, you can find her information. 
Um, wow, that went by really, really quick. So, again, uh, remember, follow, follow the show on Twitter at PauseIM. You can find uh, Jeremy and my personal page link there. Um, thank you guys all for joining us tonight. We hope you will join us next week when we spoke, speak with God, I can't even speak tonight, Logan Vox. <laughs> so thank you for joining us all and have a great night. Jeremy Good night, everyone. Have um, a great week. Listening next week. That's right. Mean Scott. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks.